I think with every single craft, there are certain rules or certain parameters within which we think there isn't much or any wiggle room and we can start to take some things for granted like oh yeah it always is this way so in this episode we are going to talk about five default songwriting decisions to challenge Hello, friend. Welcome to another episode of the Songwriter Theory Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Joseph Adela. Honored that you would spend some time talking songwriting with me today. I'm happy that you're here, not just because you chose this podcast rather than other ones, which of course I appreciate, but also just the fact that you are passionate enough about songwriting to spend some time listening to a podcast on songwriting. Uh, it certainly is not beyond me that you could be listening to some form of comedy podcast or an audiobook that's some exciting novel or something like that. So the fact that you're listening to a podcast to learn something and that you chose songwriting is something that makes me excited because that means you care about the craft of songwriting, uh, which is great because, well, hopefully, obviously, I care about the craft of songwriting because we're almost 200 episodes in. So if I didn't care, that is a, <laughs> a lot of podcasts for something I... Uh, theoretically don't care about. So, of course, I care about songwriting, and I'm glad that you do too. So in this episode, we're talking about default songwriting decisions because I really think for any art, and, and even beyond art, right, even with whatever you do uh, for your day job, which, hey, maybe you are just a songwriter, which is great, um, but, you know, whether you're an engineer or a nurse or or a plumber or whatever you might do, there are certain like assumptions and parameters within which we work, right? And those can sneak up on us. And usually where the big like revolutions within industries come in is when there's a default assumption that everybody holds for a long time and then somebody comes along and actually takes the time to be like, wait a second, who said we all had to do this? thing or not do this thing who made that rule and you know often that's how you revolutionize an industry and i think the same thing's true for different forms of art obviously we're talking songwriting so first one we'll start really basic and that is that you do not always have to end your song on a one chord so if you don't know what that means basically just whatever key your song is in you do not need to have the last chord in the song be that chord. So if you write a song in C major, you don't have to end on a C major chord. If you write a song in A minor, which is just the relative minor of C major, you don't need to end on an A, a minor chord. Same with all keys, right? So one chord is just basically the chord that the key would be named after. Would be a pretty simple way of looking at it. And so many times, I think people just assume that your song has to have that feeling of resolve that you get from a one chord, because that's what makes a song feel complete. You put a little bow on it, metaphorically, and, and the present has, been, has finished with the rapping process. When you end your song on that big one chord, you're in E major, and... The last two chords are like B major to E major, and then it feels very complete. Everybody knows the song is over, and it's all tied neatly in a bow, 
everybody is relieved because there's that sense of resolve. There's no more tension left because you resolved it with that one chord. And look, you don't have to do that. In fact, it can be often much more interesting if you don't do that. Now, I'm not saying go change every song. Make sure you don't end on a one chord. I don't think there's anything wrong with ending on a one chord. In fact, for many songs, that is the right way to go. But there are a bunch of songs where maybe it's not the best way to go. Maybe ending on, say, a six chord would be more interesting. Because a great way, especially in the context of a major key, to end your song with a sort of uneasy or darker note that just sounds sort of unsure and, and definitely unresolved, and again, has that darker feel, is to end on the sixth chord. Because one reason is that it is a minor chord in the context of every major key. A sixth chord is always going to be a minor chord. So in the context of C major, a minor sixth chord would be your A minor. How do we know that? Well, literally you just count, right? So C would be 1, D, 2, E3, F4, G5, and A is 6. And we know it's A minor chord for many reasons. One is because in the context of C major, we know we have the notes A, C, and E for the triad that is A minor. Um, well, for the A triad, but then when we put all that together, we know that those three notes make up an A minor chord because an A major chord would have a C sharp. Uh, we also know that because in the context of every major key, the sixth chord is always going to be a minor chord. So there's a bunch of reasons we know that. Uh, if any of what I just said was like, what on what what what, you, what are you saying? Check out my free guide on uh, the four pillars of music theory that I think every songwriter needs to know. It covers keys and then chords within the key, uh, which I think is very important to know. It's super helpful for songwriting. So check that out. Link will be in the description. As always, whenever I mention those and any of the free guides. But anyway, here is a quick. Uh, just, I'll just quickly improvise a little thing just to sort of show you what it would sound like to end on a six chord. And another option that you have, I mean, technically you can end on any chord, just to be clear. And also if you want to end on a one chord for the record, but make it sound just less resolved, if you just change the inversion of it, that will go a long way because a C major chord in the context of C major with an E in the bass is going to sound way less resolved than with a C in the bass, significantly less resolved. So you can also do that. But just to keep it basic with the numbered chords that you can choose or or the maybe more natural other options to choose, maybe the most common non-one chords to use. If you want there to be an excruciatingly tense ending where, where it, it just so badly wants to resolve back to that one chord and you just never give it to the, to the listener, right? So they're just their ears are just begging for you to resolve it and you just don't, the five chord is your friend. So in the context of C major, that would be ending on a G major chord. In the context of uh, D major, 
that would be ending on an A major chord. In the context of G major, that would be ending on a D major chord, etc. That five chord is the number one chord that absolutely wants to resolve back to the one chord. Did I say the one chord wants to resolve to the five chord? I don't know if I said that right. So the five chord is what most wants to resolve back to that one chord. So that's why you would get that extremely tense, like, resolve it, resolve it. And there's going to be people in the audience. I, I certainly uh, knew a person once upon a time who said that they just had to end every song on one. They just couldn't handle a song not being resolved, uh, which I find hilarious because I, I, I love it. I, I, I think it leaves the listener like wanting more instead of just being like, yep, cool. It's nice and complete. I'm happy. I can move on now. Instead, they're like, no. No, finish it, uh, which at least to me is uh, not always, right? You can't overdo it, but sometimes it's a great way to go. So here is a quick example of what it would sound like to end on a five chord or one way that it might sound to end on a five chord. And finally, of the three uh, really most common non-one chord options to end your song on, it would be the four chord. Now, the four chord is going to be kind of a hybrid between that five chord and ending on a one chord. The five chord just really wants to resolve back to one in basically every scenario. The four chord... I was I would estimate it sounds like a quarter resolved, maybe half resolved. So it's not it's not going to make people hang on a thread like, wait, wait, are you actually not going to finish it? It's more just going to sound slightly unsettled. It will be not as resolved as a one chord, but it, it won't be overtly ending on a, a sort of a, a point of tension in the way that a six chord or a five chord would. So sixth chord really gives you that like uneasy minor finale, right? Where it's like, oh, wait a second. This whole song was in a major key, but then they ended on a minor six. Again, just I may have said this. I may not have said this, but just in case it's not clear, this is all in the context of major, right? This is going to somewhat reverse in minor. So if you were in a minor key, then if you ended on the sixth chord, actually that would be ending on a major chord. Uh, which also could be effective just kind of in the reverse. It like ends on a bright note. Um, but anyway, and then the five is is just just begging to be resolved to one. Four is not begging to be resolved to one, but it wants to resolve to one. So here's a quick example of what it might sound like if you were to end on a major four chord in the context of a major key. All right, so overall, don't just assume that your song needs to end on the one chord. Whatever the most resolved sounding chord is to end your song on, don't assume you have to end on that. The sixth chord in the context of a major key can be kind of ending on an uneasy or darker note. And then the five chord can 
just sound excruciatingly tense in the sense that like listeners desperately want you to resolve it, but you never give it to them. And then the four chord is sort of a, a nice hybrid between the five and the one. It sounds kind of resolved. It's not like super unresolved, but it's definitely not fully resolved. All right. Assumption number two, which is to just sort of default into following a general verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, song structure. So before I dive deeply into this, I, I will say one thing. One thing that is within the assumption of verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus is, is sort of this, this default assumption that something should repeat, right? Because verses repeat musically, yeah, but the lyrics are different generally, almost always. Choruses almost always have the same lyrics or very similar lyrics across choruses as well as the same music and melody. So the chorus is the main point that we keep going back to and as I talked about in a recent video on refrain versus chorus, I talked about the idea that the, the importance of repetition is that's what gives something gravitas and importance, right? So that's why it's almost always that a song title will come directly from something like a chorus, something that repeats, something that's said over and over, because repetition is what makes it clear, hey, this is important. Hey, this is a thing to pay attention to. So... A worthy fundamental rule that we should maybe generally adhere to is it's probably worth having something that repeats in your song. So, but you can do that without a chorus, right? And again, in that video, if you've watched that video, I talk about the difference between a refrain and a chorus, and technically all choruses would be refrains, but also all pre-choruses or most pre-choruses and most post-choruses would also qualify as refrains. But there's also a thing that refrain means and the traditional use of refrain that is none of those three things, which is really just having a line either at the beginning of a verse or at the end of a verse that repeats. So, for example, in Bob Dylan's The Times They Are Changing, there's no chorus. It's just verse, 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 verse. I don't remember if there's that many verses, but regardless, there's just verses, right? But every verse ends with the same line, the times they are changing, the times they are changing, which is why you remember it. And that's also how we know it's the main point of the song, right? Because it repeats and then also it's the song title. And it probably is a song title because that's the refrain. That's the thing that repeats. So that still gives the song a sense of identity. So I do think it's worth having something that repeats. Not necessarily always. For the record, I've definitely written a song that has four verses that has nothing that really repeats, and I, I think it worked okay. Uh, now, though, I wrote that song in, uh, I think, senior year of high school uh, or maybe early freshman year of college, a long time ago, because I'm 29 now. So we're talking literally over 10 years ago. If I were to rewrite the song today, I definitely would have a refrain at the end of every verse, I think. Um it's just kind of one of those things. Sometimes you grow as a songwriter, you look back at a song you wrote and you're like, you know what? I was on to something that was pretty good overall, but, um, but anyway, so if you do want to have a default assumption that we should lean towards having something that repeats, even if it's just a single line that happens multiple times throughout the song, that I think can be an okay assumption. Even that I don't think we should make, but 
I think that is a somewhat worthy assumption or general rule within the verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus uh, default assumption that we often find ourselves in. So your song can have two bridges. There are absolutely songs out there with two bridges, including one, one of my fa- – yes, I'm going to mention my favorite artists again. Vertical Horizon has a song called Frost that has two bridges. And the second bridge is just is just perfection. It really just repeats how, how long can we keep falling over and over again. But it, it functions as the emotional peak of not only the song, but in my opinion, the entire album, and is just perfect. And so anyway, the song has two bridges. It works great. Um, there's a song that I'm finishing up that also has two bridges and I can't even imagine the song without the two different distinct bridges. So a default assumption within the verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus is often that there's just one bridge, right? So so many times I don't think people even entertain the idea that there could be more than one bridge. Usually the only question people ask is, should there be a bridge or not a bridge? But those aren't the only two options. There's two bridges, right? And, you know, maybe you're somebody who hasn't used a pre-chorus yet, right? So you can have a pre-chorus before every chorus. Uh, maybe you've never used a post-chorus. You can have a post-chorus after every chorus. Or or another great thing to do sometimes is to have a post-chorus after every chorus except the first chorus. Now, one practical reason for that is it makes it so that after basically every, like, the way your song is constructed, there's always a, a nice surprise by the the end of sort of a, a, a cluster of sections. I'll explain it this way. If you have verse, chorus, by the time you get to the chorus, it's like, oh, there's a new thing, right? Even the verse was a new thing, but but you get the chorus. And it's like, oh, there's a nice highlight. That goes back to a verse. You're like, okay, I've heard this before. It goes back to a chorus. You're like, okay, I've heard this before. Now, hopefully you're excited again because if you're bored after the first chorus, the chorus has a problem. But uh, you've heard that before, right? But then if you have a post-chorus that you didn't have after the first chorus, oh, well, there's something different all of a sudden, Right? And then, you know, maybe you don't need to have a bridge. You can go straight from post-chorus back into another verse. There's a whole bunch of options. Or you can, again, throw something new at them again where you have a bridge as well. And then you go back to the chorus. And then you go back to the post-chorus that you've only heard twice instead of hearing it three times, which makes you slightly less sick of it or something like that. But another thing you can do is you can have a true chorus two. Now, what I mean by chorus two is not a second chorus, right? Because usually it seems that second chorus is a term that's mostly used to say, hey, it's the same chorus. The only difference is we're changing the lyrics around this time, right? So it's common at the to have a chorus that by the time the third and final chorus comes, you actually have it that the chorus will be repeated the last time. But when it repeats, it actually repeats with new lyrics that very last time. That's pretty common and also a very effective, great tool. But when I say a chorus two, I'm talking about like it's it's not a post-chorus because it's not really the after party to the, your chorus. 
it's truly a second chorus. It's like if if your song had two choruses and you you kept both of them, right? You wrote two choruses for your songs and you kept both of them because maybe your first chorus goes really well into that second chorus. It doesn't necessarily have, or, or actually I would argue that for a true chorus too, for what I'm talking about, it doesn't have the same melody. So it's not just changing the lyrics the way you might in a quote unquote second chorus. It's literally a totally different section, but it's also not a post-chorus. Now, I would argue that No Surprise by Daughtry would be an example of what I'm talking about here. Because that section that happens after the, I believe it's the second time the chorus plays, that section plays, it's too long to be a post-chorus, and it changes up too much to be a real post-chorus. So really, it's, to me, a, a chorus too. It's a, it's a brand new chorus-like section. Um, but another thing is I think we all assume, you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, and we assume that second verse has the same melody, the same chord progression, same everything except for lyrics as the first verse. But no, you can, you can totally have a totally different second verse, especially, especially in a context where you do have a chorus that repeats, because if you have a, a whole section that repeats in your song, that requires... That, that makes it so it's less required, required being in quotes, that your verses be the exact same except for some arrangement differences and the fact that, you know, the lyrics change. You can have a song without a chorus. You don't need a chorus, especially if you have a refrain, like the times they are changing. You can have, you know, a, a song that has just verses and then a bridge. You can utilize... Long-time listeners had to know this was going to come up, but you can utilize what I call a finale, which um, the brief description of what that is is, well, first of all, just to pre preemptively say this, because I've, I've gotten this comment at least once before, that they say, Joseph, what you're talking about when you say finale is just a coda. No, it is not just a coda. It's the same relationship between refrain and a chorus as it is between a coda and a finale. So if you watch the video re that came out the other day where I sort of described how, you know, every chorus basically is a refrain, but not every refrain is a chorus. So they're not the same thing, right? Refrain is sort of this bigger category. That is also true where a coda is a bigger category. A coda can literally be something, because it's really a, a sheet music term, ultimately. And sometimes it literally is just like, hey, you know how the chorus ended on this one chord? Well, the final time you play the chorus at the end of the song, play this other chord instead. <laughs> like literally it can be one measure, <laughs> a, a coda, right? And I, I might even argue that m often, most of the time it is that. And so a finale is a very specific section in the same way that a chorus is way more specific than a refrain, and therefore we shouldn't call them the same thing. But basically a finale is a, is a combo between a bridge and a chorus, in the sense that, like a chorus, it functions as the emotional high point of a song, which a part of what makes a finale great, in my opinion, is everybody thinks, oh, the chorus is the highlight of the song. I've already heard the highlight of the song. But then the finale comes, and like, oh my goodness, I thought the chorus was good. The finale's even cooler. Uh, but like a bridge, bridges almost always just come once, right? Like very rarely does a bridge repeat. 
usually, you know, it's verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, end of song. Right? I only said bridge once. Most of the time, that's what happens. Finale is the same thing. So it's like chorus and that it's the emotional high point, the actual emotional high point. The great, the great part is you thought you already heard the emotional high point. You just one-up yourself with the finale. But it's like a bridge in that it only happens once. And then the last part is like its name. Well, it happens at the end of the song. That's how you close the song generally. Um, although you technically could have an outro after the finale, which then would would you know be another part of the coda. Another reason why it's not the same as a coda. But anyway, you can also use a finale. So don't just assume, hey, I need to have verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, song structure. Break out of that. Figure out what other different types of structures you can have. And you can even go as far as I did, which is to, I don't know if I should be audacious enough to say I invented the finale. I don't necessarily think that's true. At least the way I define a finale, sort of uh, the ending and the main part people know from Don't Stop Believing would qualify sort of, except that it repeats within itself. But I would argue it's not really a true chorus because it only happens at the end. And yes, it repeats at the end. But anyway, I think I have a whole podcast or something where I break down my argument about that. But Anyway, I don't pretend that I like invented the concept of a finale so much as I think I gave it a name because before there was sort of just this vague like, oh, maybe that's the real chorus, even though it didn't repeat, which is a fundamental part of a chorus. I don't know. Regardless, it's a thing that I liked a lot and have a name for. <laughs> so whether you want to use that name or not, whatever. Point being, you can do the same thing I did, right? You, you sort of think through like, huh, what you know, it's it's kind of disappointing to me, because a part of where the finale idea came from, just to pull back the curtain a little bit, is I'm like, you know, it, it seems sad if your if your chorus happens for the first time at like one minute in, and you have a four minute song, at the end of that chorus at like a minute and a half, the person has already heard the peak of the song, right? The best part of the song they've already heard. Nothing is ever going to really one-up it. Yeah, maybe the final chorus will have an extra harmony in there or extra guitars or something to make it even bigger, but ultimately they've already heard the peak of the song. And I also really like the idea of leaving somebody with something that just blows their mind and then calling it a day. Because the other thing is with choruses, this is, I love how this is turning is a sales pitch for a finale. But anyway, I'm, just, I'm trying to show you how I thought through this so you can kind of ask yourself some of the similar questions to maybe figure out your own song section uh, to utilize. But um, a part of it, too, was it seems to me that I don't necessarily love the fact that usually with something like a verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, by the time that song is done, you're probably ready for it to be done, especially if it's not a great song. But uh, even if it's a good song, often you're, re you're ready for it to be done, right? Because you've heard the highlight of the song three times, maybe four times. So you're like, okay, I'm good. I can move on to the next song. What I love about a finale is you might have been lulled into like, okay, I've heard the chorus and this is a good song, blah, blah, blah. And then the finale comes, you blow their mind, and then you end the song, right? And they're like, wait, I only heard the best part of the song once. It kind of leaves people with like a, I feel like I kind of want to listen to that again. That, and if you think about like how movies and books are often constructed, it's usually that way. Right? There's this grand finale at the end, the big fight at the end that everything's been building to, and then boom, the movie's over, and you're like, man, I want to watch that again. Uh, but anyway, moral of the story, you don't have to follow verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, break out of it, 
try different sections like chorus twos, maybe having multiple bridges, pre-choruses and post-choruses, doing different things with the pre-choruses and post-choruses, um, you know, uh, use a finale, use a refrain instead of having a chorus. So let's move on to the third assumption, which is that your intro must be instrumental and or must be a preview of the verse. So I think very often, and I'm certainly guilty of this as well, it's so easy to default to if you have a chord progression that your verse is, or if you have a piano riff that is the main piano riff that's that's under your vocal for the first verse, your intro is just going to default to it's that, but I'm not singing yet. And while I think that's a great way to open a song, it's, it's probably the most common way to open a song. I think it's a great way to open a song. There's nothing wrong with it. But we shouldn't just assume like, oh, every song's just going to be that way. That's and, and just sort of mindlessly keep doing it, which I think is an easy trap to fall into. And frankly, of all the things I'm going to talk about here is probably the one that I myself fall into the most. So I think it's a really easy trap to fall into, which obviously I'm biased because I myself fall into it, I think, the most often of these traps. So, you know, one way you can start a song is is right off the bat, you start with your chorus, right? And that can be just the instrumentals of your chorus, or you can literally start with the chorus. Maybe it's a acoustic version of the chorus or just a, you know, lower energy version of the chorus. Maybe it's the full-on chorus. Right? Or maybe you just jump right into the verse. The first thing people hear is you singing and you playing whatever the music is for your first verse. Or you can do something like Some Nights by Fun and open with just vocals, right? They they just have this sort of a cappella vocal chorus intro, and it's awesome. I love it. I, th- I think it's a great way to open a song. Uh, makes it very memorable. The melody's very good. Uh, just great way to open a song. Or I'm going to use fun as an example again here, actually. You can write an intro that is totally separate from the rest of the song. So if you've ever heard the full version of the song Carry On by Fun, uh, there's there's actually a whole piano intro before it gets to the main intro that is on like the radio version. Because the, the, the sort of main intro is literally just basically playing the verse music, right? So that that part is the same. But there's an intro before that. That's like 45 seconds long. That's this whole little nice little piano piece that leads into that other intro. So you, you can do that, right? Where literally your intro has almost nothing to do with the rest of the song. Now, it's probably going to be in the same key as the rest of the song, you probably should at least entertain the idea of hinting at similar motifs or a similar chord progression that also exists in the rest of your song, but you don't even have to do that, right? You can you can also write an intro if you don't want to go if you don't want to go that far, right? Where it's totally separate, you can write an intro that alludes to or is another part of a song, such as say uh, a tag, right? This this is going to be really common in specifically modern rock songs where often you have like an intro that's a specific riff thing and then it goes into a verse then it goes into the chorus and then it plays that intro riff again but at this point you'd call it a tag right so usually it's like you know that heavy cool riff that happens after every chorus and before every verse common thing to do i notice 
that this it seems to be way less common outside of rock. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure they exist, but right now, just thinking about it, like when I'm listening in my head to like some rock artist that I like, whether it's like a star set who put on a heck of a show the other night in Columbus, but, um, which they're also from Columbus, which is super dope. But anyway, good stuff. Whether it's them or uh, Breaking Benjamin, like most of the songs I'm hearing, like it's almost the default that they they go with. I think Star Set less so than Breaking Benjamin. But outside of that genre, I feel like it that happens way less commonly. I think EDM maybe again it it, it happens a little bit more, but um, that would be an example of hey sometimes. Just breaking out of of sort of the default assumptions that come with your genre can be a, a good exercise because there might be conventions that other genres use way more than yours, right? So, so one example is a post-chorus. A post-chorus is a, a very pop thing. Like I, I, tons of pop songs have post-choruses. It feels like now every pop song has a post-chorus, which really came from EDM. And right now, pop music and EDM, like they've kind of like crossed over and become, I'm not saying they are the same thing, but like EDM has clearly influenced modern pop music. We'll put it that way. Um, so I think that's a part of the reason because EDM arguably emphasizes a post-chorus to such an extent that it's, it's arguably, um, in fact, that usually they would call it a hook as like a section that 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 literally is meant to be the highlight of the song even above the chorus. But anyway, we won't go too deep into that because we've talked about that other times. But main idea here is even a post-chorus, which are pretty common to at least be aware of the existence, right? Like I'm sure most of you listening to this have heard of, of course, verse, chorus, and bridge, right? Um, you know, maybe if you're from England or something, you've you know a bridge is a middle eight. Sure. But you've heard of those sections, and you've almost definitely heard of a pre-chorus, and you've almost definitely heard of a post-chorus. Uh, but probably, if you don't listen to a lot of pop music, you don't necessarily listen to a lot of songs that have post-choruses. So even just, you know, if you're writing a rock song, and you're like, you know what? I I I'm going to write a post-chorus, even though it's not really that common in rock music compared to how common it is in pop music. That can be a great way to go, especially if you're worried about doing something too different and too outside the box, uh, which probably you shouldn't be afraid of. But if you are, that is a great sort of workaround here where it's like, hmm, you know, I with whatever I'm going to do with my song, I don't necessarily want to do something that feels totally different. Like maybe the concept of a finale kind of scares you because... You're like, man, I can't think of hardly any songs that do what he was talking about with what a finale is. That's fine. Uh, but sometimes just looking at other genres can be a great way to uh, incorporate something that maybe just isn't typical to the genre that you tend to write in. Um, anyway, I know that one somehow turned into a bit of a, a rabbit hole. But these last two should be fairly quick. This one, I, I barely feel the need to talk about. So literally only if you're a new listener <laughs> will I have any ex explanation here. The default assumption that you need to rhyme. You don't need to rhyme. I bet that your top five, top ten favorite songs, you don't even really know if they rhyme. You just kind of assume they rhyme. And you know what? For a lot of them, they probably do. 
But for a lot of them, they probably only rhyme in certain sections, or they rhyme a lot less than you think, or their their rhymes are often way less perfect than you think. They certainly aren't just rhyming night and light all the time. They might have some slant rhymes and some 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 rhymes that just just aren't you know full rhymes or perfect rhymes as we call them. Um, and and regardless, like I, I, people just don't. Now, not that it's necessarily true that just because people don't notice something doesn't necessarily mean that it's not important, right? Like, you cannot notice something in a movie, but that doesn't necessarily mean it was an important thing just because people didn't notice all the work that went into something or whatever. Uh, So I hear that, and that is true. But... There are so many songs that don't rhyme or don't rhyme in every section or use rhymes strategically. And in fact, I would argue that it's actually way worse to over rhyme than it is to under rhyme because people definitely notice when you over rhyme, right? If, you, if you're like light, night, tonight, people notice that and they visibly cringe. So just you'd be better off if you didn't rhyme at all, if, if that's sort of the way it's going to go. Um, but also the the really important part is lyrical flow and the meter of the lyrics matching the emphases of the melody. That's the important part because that is what makes a melody and a lyric fit together and make it so that the melody fits on the lyrics like a glove or if you want to see it the other way around. That is what creates a natural sounding marriage between lyrics and melody. Rhyming comparatively should be seen as like a bonus, right? Number one is get the lyrical flow right where the meter of the lyrics match the emphases of the melody. You don't want to have the melody emphasize the word the in the context of like a line, right? If it was the final countdown, that, that'd that be lame, right? It's the final countdown, right? They, they emphasize final countdown, not the it would be super unnatural sounding. So, you know, every sentence, even the way we speak, we can break down what are the emphases, right? You can hear what are the emphases, right? You can hear naturally what is emphasized. So making sure that the lyric and the um, the melody match in what is emphasized. Or if they don't fully match, you know, doing it intentionally doesn't, you know, there, there's, there's some wiggle room there. Just know that overall, that is probably the holy grail of making your lyrics and melody sound natural and good, not so much the rhyming. Even though, yes, rhyming is a fantastic lyric writing tool. I don't want anybody to get the impression I'm anti-rhyming. I know sometimes I say things that make it sound like I'm borderline anti-rhyming. I'm really not. I just see it get way overused, and most of the time, especially with newer songwriters, it creates really cringe lyrics where they end up not saying really what they mean to say, and it, it, it really feels like oftentimes people are like, the number one rule they're not willing to break is like, well, number one, my lyrics need to rhyme. Your lyrics making sense and your lyrics being meaningful and impactful seem to take a backseat to rhyming, which is just... Don't do that. Don't do that. But I see that happens a lot. So that's probably why I come off like I'm anti-rhyming. I'm not anti-rhyming. I just think that it's way overemphasized. All right. Last point. 
choruses having the same lyrics. I think a lot of times people just, they write a chorus and they don't even entertain the idea that that chorus could change lyrics. And while I do think that probably for most songs, the chorus should maintain the same lyrics or almost the same lyrics, there's something to be said for how it can affect a song when you actually write different lyrics per chorus in the same way you would with a verse. One is it really allows you to continue to evolve the story or the theme of the song because oftentimes a trap we can find ourselves in is where we're in a situation where, you know, whatever a chorus says is like, well, now I need to cater every single verse to lead into that chorus. But you might say something in a chorus where really it's like, you know, the first verse leading the, the story I'm trying to tell in the first verse naturally leads into the chorus. But the second verse story going into the chorus, now it just feels redundant it, it, or it's not really a natural transition. And a great way to work around that is to, who said that your second chorus needs to have the exact same lyrics? They don't. In fact, one artist that does this a ton is Five for Fighting. Five for Fighting, uh, the song, their biggest songs, actually. A hundred years, the the lyrics change every chorus. Now, they're similar, but they change. Uh, so the first one is 15, there's still time for you, time to buy and time to lose. 15, there's never a wish better than this when you've only got a hundred years to live. Second one is 15, there's still time for you. Okay, so it opens the same. Time to buy and time to lose yourself within a morning star. So it it actually goes longer. The phrase actually is longer. And then it's 15, I'm all right with you. 15, there's never a wish better than this when you've only got 100 years to live. So all the courses end with there's never a wish better than this when you've only got 100 years to live. And all of them open with 15, there's still time for you. But the parts in the middle change every time. I won't read the third version because it doesn't really matter. I feel that the point has been made. Uh, Superman is another song by Five for Fighting that changes choruses, the lyrics, every time. Uh, that one more radically so, actually. And then Chances as well. You don't even have to do have anything repeated per chorus. Now, usually it's a good idea to probably have at least one line that repeats within a chorus. But it's not necessary. And certainly you can have one line, probably the last line of the chorus, which is probably also the title of your song. You can have that one line that repeats and literally the whole rest of the chorus, the lyrics can change every time or you know maybe the third time. So overall, the assumption that your choruses must have the same lyrics. No, they don't. They absolutely don't. And I'd also throw this in there. I think the biggest temptation is to keep the chorus lyrics the same simply because if you do change the chorus lyrics, that adds a ton of work, especially if you're anything like me and the vast majority of your time on a song ends up being towards getting the lyrics right. Um, you know, I, I've joked tons of times that like, man, if, if I didn't write songs with lyrics, I'd write a song a day. And that's barely a joke. I think writing music is infinite. When I say music, I mean like 
actually decent music that somebody might want to listen to is like infinitely easier than writing a truly good, memorable, or even great lyric. Way easier. Um, and that may not be true for everyone, but I, I think probably for a lot of us, that's that's more true than not. I think there's a lot of reasons for that. We won't dive into that. But uh, if you think about it, if we just take verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, we will take that default assumption this time, just for me to make this point. So you have first verse, you have chorus, you have second verse, and then you have another chorus, but that has the same lyrics. So as far as lyric writing, normally, that's no more work, right? And then bridge, that's new lyrics, and then chorus again, which again, just has the same lyrics most of the time. So you have four total lyric sections that you need to write. If you have that same exact song structure and every chorus is the same, that four becomes six, right? So you've you've just added 50%. You've just added 50% to your lyric writing workload just by writing choruses that have different lyrics. So I'm just putting out there that it may be a temptation to not ever do this simply because it adds more work. And I feel that <laughs> I do. The few songs that I've changed lyrics, every chorus, uh, it, it, you, you know, at, at first it was like, man, you're signing up for an awful lot of work here. Uh, but honestly, it can be worth it. If it's right for your song, go for it. All right. So overall, what are these five d default songwriting decisions that we should challenge? One, end on a one chord. Always resolve your song. Don't have to do that. Two, follow a general verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, song structure. Don't have to do that. Your intro must be an instrumental and often must be a preview of the verse. Neither of those things are true. They don't have to be either of those. Uh, your songs need to rhyme. Not only do they not need to rhyme everywhere, they don't need to rhyme at all. Now, I wouldn't necessarily recommend making a habit of literally never rhyming lyrics. That is not what I'm advocating for, but... Certainly entertain the idea of non-perfect rhymes and entertain the idea of not making every section rhyme. And when you have a rhyme scheme to do something like an AXAX rhyme scheme or XAXA rather than ABAB, because often when you have, you know, the first line doesn't rhyme with anything, the second line will rhyme with the fourth line, and then the third rhyme line doesn't rhyme with anything that tends to be harder to make it like a really cringy, obvious rhyme. But when you do A, B, A, B, and it's like, oh, look, every single other li line rhymes, that's where sometimes there's a danger to go into cringe territory. Also, the rhymes you pick are gonna are gonna determine that somewhat. Uh, like, you know, light, night, ten sometimes, it's almost to the point that's hard to pull that off without being cringy because it's so overused. Um, and then finally, courses having the same lyrics. Courses don't need to have the same lyrics. Uh, you can absolutely change up lyrics in the chorus. And sometimes for songs, some songs, not only is it a possible choice, but it is the right choice. So be thinking about whether, you know, your verses really need to lead to choruses that say different things, because that may be the case. Overall, if you're interested in more about lyric writing, be sure to pick up my free guide on the six-step lyric writing checklist that I go through when I'm writing lyrics. I think it's Way easier to write good lyrics when you're breaking it up into smaller steps. The best way to fail at writing lyrics is to stare at a blank page and just say, hey, self, improvise poetry. 
That's a great way to make yourself feel dumb and incompetent, even though you're not dumb or incompetent. It's just you're asking way too much of yourself. I think a lot of people do this. Uh, I think it might be the default lyric writing method for people, actually. And that is a huge, huge mistake. I've been there. I've done that so many times. Felt like an idiot so many times. Uh, it also makes you overly reliant on the muse or inspiration, I think, because you're literally sitting <laughs> saying, hey, muse, gift me with a song, like li literally an entire lyric. Gift me with poetry. And that's asking for a lot. And our songwriting shouldn't rely on the muse or rely on our inspiration. So a great way to do that is this six-step lyric writing checklist. Also, I mentioned earlier the free guide on the four pillars of music theory that every single songwriter should know. So that will also, there will be a link for that in the description as well. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate every single one of you. I hope this was helpful and I will talk to you in the next one.